The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. As we approach the end of our series on mortifying your members, we've come to the point where Paul says there's some things that we need to let into our lives. We need to let the peace of God rule in our hearts. We need to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. And ultimately, he teaches us the secret of life, which is verse 17 of Colossians 3 that says, Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. We need to remember these things as we go throughout our lives and apply them every day. We hope you'll stay tuned for the message, but first we have a song selection that we hope you enjoy.
In the book of Colossians, the third chapter, we've been looking at this idea of the things that we need to do, not in order to become children of God, because only God can make his own, he makes his own children. But since we are children of God, how we ought to act and the things we ought to do that will be pleasing to God. And, and let me just say this, the things that we do that are pleasing to God will be better for us in the long run. You know, some people look at the Bible as a book of a list of rules that, you know, God arbitrarily set out. But the truth of the matter is the Bible is a uh, book that guides us in the right paths. You know, we're told in the book of Proverbs that we're to be not wise in our own eyes, but fear the Lord and depart from evil. And he says, if we go in his way, things will be better for us. That doesn't mean it's always easier, but it will be better. It will be better. So we've looked at already in the third chapter here uh, at the, the primary principle is set forth in verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. So if you're a child of God, then you ought to act like it. That's basically what that says. If you're, you're uh, born again, born of the Spirit, and you have a heart that's been tendered to the things of God. Now, if, you're, you, know, if you have a, the natural man, we're told, the one who's only ever been born in nature, never had the new birth, not interested in the things of God, not interested in the things that are set forth in the Word, and certainly not interested in the, in the gospel message. You know, the gospel message just says that Hey, you who understand that you can't save yourselves, Christ has saved you. Simple, period, end of story. That's such a simple message. You know, Matthew one twenty one. he shall save his people from their sins. Isn't that glorious? He didn't say he shall make a way that they can get right with God one day and maybe get to heaven. That's not what he said. He said he shall save his people from their sins. That was prospective. We can look back and say he did save his people from their sins. But now, if you be risen with Christ, if you're one of his children, and your heart has been tendered to the things of God, and you understand, you know, the burden of sin is just simply understanding that sin is sin. And what the Bible teaches us is that when we're born of the Spirit, we understand we have a sense of the burden of sin upon us. But when we read the Scripture, sin becomes exceedingly sinful. It's like when old Josiah, the, the last good king of Judah, uh, he, he, was, he became king at eight years old. And he had a wicked father and a wicked grandfather. They had shut down the temple worship. They didn't even have access to the word of God anymore. And Hilkiah the high priest found the word of God, found the law that was lost. Where was it lost? It was lost in the temple. <laughs> you know why it was lost in the temple? Because nobody went there. Nobody showed up anymore. It was easy to find. It really wasn't lost in that sense. It was laying there in the temple, but nobody went anymore, you see. So when he found the word and he went back and read the law to Josiah, Josiah, who already had a sense of himself as a sinner and understood there needed to be some changes, he repented in sackcloth and ashes because he recognized how exceedingly sinful sin is. You know how exceedingly sinful sin is? I'm not going to preach on this this morning, but you want to know how to know just how much God hates sin. You want to know just how much that little lie is hateful to God or that little cheating on some form or at work or whatever. You want to know just how 
sinful, how hateful adultery is to God when you break those marriage vows. You want to know how, how, just how hateful it is to God for you to curse your brother or your sister when they cut you off in traffic. All you got to do is look at the cross. Because what he did at the cross was he put every sin of every child of God on the shoulders of his son. I wouldn't do that for you. There's not a one of my children I'd sacrifice for anybody else. But God sacrificed his son and would not let him out of it. Would not have, and, and Jesus, by the way, wasn't trying to get out of it in the garden. That wasn't what he was saying over there. That's another message altogether. You can maybe look one up. I preached in the past to see the answer there or ask me after the service. He wasn't trying to get out of it, and God would not have let him out of it because he hates sin so much, but he loves his children so much that the sin had to be paid for by somebody. You know how exceeding sinful sin is? Look at Jesus hanging on that cross, but suspended between heaven and earth, and that's how much... God hates sin. And that's what the Bible teaches us is how exceedingly sinful sin is. And so what we've been looking at is the idea that we need to mortify some members. You know what mortify means? It just means murder. You need to kill some things in your life. We listed those. We've talked about it. Verses, verse 5 down there, you know, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. All those things we need to eliminate from our lives. And then we saw that as you continued on, there's some things we needed to put on. We need to put on some, we need to put off, I'm sorry. There's some things we need to put off. Put off anger, wrath, and malice, and blasphemy, filthy communication out of our mouths, and lying, okay? And then in verse 10, we find that there's some things we need to put on. We need to put on the new man. That is, that new person, another, that new creature that's within us, we need to live in that spirit and not in the spirit of the flesh. And we need to put on some things that are important, some inward attitudes and some outward actions. And the overall covering, the overall covering is charity, we're told, which is the bond of perfectness. You want to be perfect in the sight of God? Then put on as a overall cloak or covering love in action, you see. And that brings us down to where we are today, down in verse 15 of chapter 3, which is beginning to tell us about some things that we need to let in to our lives. There are some things we need to let into our lives. Notice as we go back, we'll begin in verse 12 to catch the context, but we're going to begin looking at verse 15 of Colossians 3. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, Bibles of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. We've talked about all those last time. Go back and you can listen to the sermon and, and, and look that up if you want to get more into that. But forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Boy, that's a tall order right there. We've talked about the only way to do it is to put on this bond of Charity, it says in verse 14, above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. You want to be perfect or whole or mature in the sight of God, then be, uh, be charitable. That is, have a loving, charitable attitude. And now we get to what we want to talk about this morning, verse 15. He says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, 
to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Here is the first thing that he says we need to let to be existing in our lives. We need to let this into our lives. That is the peace of God. So let's look at what it is. What is the peace of God? You see, we are called to peace. People always want to talk about their calling in life. I'm called to be this. I'm called to be that. There's certainly a calling to the ministry. Uh, I don't believe that uh, that men who come before you and stand in this pulpit ought to stand in this pulpit unless they're called of God. There's a calling into the, um, into the gospel ministry. And there's a sense in which we all have a calling in our lives, maybe the leading of God in one direction or another. Some are led to be teachers, some are led to be lawyers, some are led to be farmers, some are led to be this or that or something else. But what we are all called to is peace. If you want to talk about a calling in your life, I don't care if you are a lawyer or a farmer or an engineer or a factory worker or a ditch digger or a doctor. Our calling is to peace. This word peace just means quietness or rest. In the Old Testament, it was the word shalom, which is still used in Israel today as a greeting and as a uh, benediction. And, and that idea of peace or quietness or rest, I don't know about you, but that's the primary thing I need every day. I don't go out into the world and, 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 and looking for peace and generally finding it. When I'm driving down the interstate or I'm going somewhere to meet with somebody, I feel all worked up. I'm stressed out, you know. Somebody asked me uh, before church, well, have you got a big week coming up? i got a pretty big week coming up. I'm already thinking about all the appointments I've got to make. I'm sure you're doing the same thing. I hope during this hour you can kind of put that aside. I'm trying to do that. That's one of the purposes of church is to allow you to maybe set aside some of those worries of this world and focus upon the one who has put all those worries to death. But you see, it's the peace that I need. The peace that I felt during the song service I need tomorrow morning as I get on the road. You'll need it tomorrow as you go back to your job. You'll need it. Listen, we need it when we go back home. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've kind of got a little end game here in what we're preaching on, okay? I don't think I've slip, I'm slipping up on you with this, but if you read ahead, you Bible readers that are reading ahead, we're fixing to get into some things that get right down to where we live. It's going to talk about wives. It's going to talk about husbands. It's going to talk about children. It's going to talk about fathers and parenting and servants, which in that day the word servant meant slave. But listen, we still have masters and servants today. If you're a supervisor at work, you're a master. You're over some people. If you're a, and you've probably got people over you. So you're a servant to some and a master to others. You need to know how to act. I need to know how to live. And, you know, you say, preacher... You mean you're fixing to start meddling in my life like that? Well, the Bible meddles, so I guess I'm going to have to. <laughs> but you see, my point is, it's this peace, we need it when we go back home. In fact, that's where we need the peace the most. The peace, this quietness, this rest is something that we need every day. And it's not just any old peace. It's not just any old peace. It's a peace that comes from the God who is called the very God of peace. Turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23 sometimes. He's called the very God of peace. Not just the God of peace, the very God of peace. 
Yeah, he's that one. <laughs> he's that one. He's the one that brought peace in the most ultimate and complete sense of the word. We're told in Psalm 85 and verse 10, I believe it is, he says, righteousness and peace have kissed each other. We're told there that God made peace between himself and man. You know what man was? Man is man. You know what man is, I should say? Man by nature is a rebel. Man by nature is rebellious against God. Man by nature hates God. Man by nature wants to throw off the yoke of God. Look with me back over to Psalm chapter 2 just for a second. I didn't intend to go there this morning, but let's go there. You'll see what man is. Chapter 2 and verse 1. Why do the heathen rage? You know who you are, child of God? You're the heathen. Now, I know here he's particularly talking about those who are non-Jews. But the truth is we're all heathens by nature. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Now, listen. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Now, before you get to saying... Something like, that's terrible for those old folks over there to do that. Think about the last time you willingly submitted yourself to God. When somebody cut you off in traffic. When somebody did something you didn't like. When things didn't work out at work. You know, we all have our own particular struggles. My biggest struggle, as I've told you many times, is when I have something held securely in my hand. And for whatever reason, it leaps out of my hand, Brother Glendon. Yeah, I drop it. <laughs> I drop it. It can't be me getting older. It can't be me, you know, can it? And I drop it. And those things, you know, you know what I do at that point? I want to rage. I want to do and say things that are contrary to what God would have me do and say. That's me. He just described me. And it also describes our society pretty well, doesn't it? Let us break their bands asunder. We're not going to listen to Christian theology. We're going to do what we want to do. By the way, not, we don't want to spend a whole lot of time in chapter 2, but I just want to point out, you know what God's doing while they're, while they're raging and saying we're going to break his bands asunder, raging against the anointed one, Christ? He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. <laughs> He's not up there wringing his hands. Oh, no, what are we going to do? Oh, my goodness, this things are getting out of control down here. You know, the most out of control that things have ever been in the, in the way the world would look at it or you and I would work at it would be at Calvary, would it not? I mean, my goodness, you've got the very Son of God being led off to Golgotha's hill to be crucified. You know, some people have this idea, I think, that God was sitting up in the heavens wringing his hands and say, oh my goodness, we've come up against something that we can't handle now. Did Jesus come up against something he could? Did circumstances get out of control? No. We're told that they, these that lifted themselves up, go to chapter 4 of Acts sometime. We won't go there this morning, but, but go to chapter 4. They, they were gathered together. All the, the, the powers of this world were gathered together against his holy anointed one. You know what? For to do whatsoever thy hand hath before appointed for them to do. That's not some kind of absolute predestination, by the way. That's talking about God being so 
omniscient and omnipotent and wise that he was able to let men do what their hearts would lead them to do and yet still accomplish his purposes and not their own. See, we're talking about the very God of peace who sent his son to make peace, made the ultimate peace. And the Apostle Paul, in writing to the Philippian church over there, if you'll turn back over to chapter 4, you're going to re- we're going to read about how the, the, the quality or the characteristics of this peace. In chapter 4 and beginning in verse 6, Paul, as he is closing out the letter to the church at Philippi, says, Be careful for nothing. That is, don't worry about anything. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. So there's some things that we're going to see in a minute. You can, lo- you can miss this piece. You, we'll come back to that in a moment. But notice that there's some things we need to do to obtain this kind of peace. He said, in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, you need to be praying to God instead of trying to run it yourself, trying to work it out yourself. But notice verse 7, and the peace of God, that's the same peace we're talking about here. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Passeth all understanding. I know some of you are facing some pretty serious things in your lives right now. Some of you may be facing some very serious things, that, some very serious circumstances that I don't know about. Some of you I know about. But you know what? I can tell you I can't fix your circumstances, but I can preach peace to you. Because the peace that I preach to you surpasses your circumstances. That's what he's talking about here. A peace that passeth all understanding. That means all human understanding, all the human efforts, all the circumstances that we face, everything that we come up against, we can still have the peace of God. You see, peace is not the absence of problems. You're not going to ever have a time in your life where you don't have some problem. You may think you don't have a problem. There may be a period of time where it looks like things are going well, but get ready, something's going to happen because we live in a sin-cursed world. You say, what about Lazarus? He got raised from the dead. He must have not had any problems. You turn to, you turn to that's, that's in John chapter 11. You turn to the very first few verses of John chapter 12. You know what happened immediately after he was raised from the dead? The Pharisees sought to kill him. I was told this one time, and I forget the context, but somebody told me, he said, you know, Brother Chris, you like to celebrate, don't you? In other words, I like to reach a certain point in life and then just put it in neutral and enjoy it. So, oh, yes. You know, the, the, old, the old rich young fool said, I'm going to tear down my barns and build bigger, and then I'm going to just say, soul, take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. Well, there's nothing wrong with enjoying the things of life. I'm not, that's not what I'm preaching against here. I'm not preaching against that. But here's what I'm preaching against is this idea that we can get to a plateau in our lives where everything is perfect and we can have perfect peace here based on our circumstances. Child of God, you will never have perfect peace if you're seeking the peace in your circumstances. See, there's a difference in joy and happiness. You know, the word happiness comes from the word hap, which is used in happenstance, which refers to our circumstances. You can be happy. 
told you this story so many times you're probably sick of hearing it, but I was happy when I got a little Han Solo figure when I was about 10 years old at Christmas morning. I was happy until about two hours later when I lost the little gun that went with him and never found it again until Brother Bob and Sister Lee gave me one a few years ago. <laughs> they bought me one and gave it to me for Christmas. But uh, now I don't know where it is. It's hidden somewhere at the house, so I've lost it now. But, uh, but you see, I was happy based on the circumstances, but as soon as the circumstances changed, I was no longer happy. That's the difference between happiness and joy. James says, I can count it all joy in the midst of tribulations. The circumstances are horrible. The circumstances are terrible. I'm locked up. You know, Paul and Silas were locked up in prison. They were locked up there and they were in chains. Sister Kayla's been over there and seen that. I looked at some of the pictures she, she gave me or showed me about her trip to Italy. And, and they, had, they had some shackles there, some ancient shackles that were very likely used to shackle the Apostle Paul. I couldn't hardly look at them, Sister Caleb, without tears. And I was thinking about that dear old brother shackled by those very bars of iron. And yet, in the midst of all of that, what did they do? They started singing songs. And it wasn't poor pitiful me. It wasn't nobody knows the trouble I've seen. They were singing hymns. They were singing glory to God. Their circumstances had not changed when they started singing. Now the circumstances changed later after they sang a while. And your circumstances may change too after you sing a while. They may not. There were a lot of, we're going to, you know, in the book of Hebrews that we've been going through on Sunday night. We're going to get to chapter 11 eventually. And we're going to talk about all those great patriarchs that were delivered. Then we're going to read about some that chose not to be delivered. I like the deliverance. I don't like the non-deliverance. But let me tell you, beloved, they're all delivered. When we can remember that it's the peace that passeth all understanding. And that's the kind of peace that you can have at the hospital. That's the kind of peace you can have at the funeral home. But it's the kind of peace you can only have when you remember that it comes from the very God of peace. He is the... See, he goes on down in verse 9 here and said, Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. That's the kind of peace you can have. That's, that's why Paul in 2 Corinthians 4 can say, talk about these light afflictions. Turn to... 2 Corinthians 11, I believe it is. <laughs> Those aren't light afflictions. Not to me. Shipwrecked twice. Beaten four times. Left for dead. Let down by a basket from the water. I mean, all the things that he experienced are... If I just experienced one of them, that would be, I would be talking about it the rest of my life. You remember that time I was persecuted? Oh my goodness, it was terrible. Oh my. You know, Paul said these are light afflictions. He didn't really even talk about them. So there but for a moment, but it was only as he kept his eyes upon Jesus. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C 
1847 at gmail.com or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J, C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.